Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Beacon Broadcast for Volume 4, Chapter 12, No Safe Haven. Joining me today on this podcast is Kessa. Yo. Artyom. Hello. And Gazi. Hello, beautiful people. And I'm your host, Nuriel. Welcome to On The Spot. Yeah, but yeah. We can so use this recording Ruby. still, right? <laughs> Don't tell me that, but we still And I'm your host, Nuriel, and it's editor's choice whether they kept that last joke. So, uh, welcome to the Beacon Broadcast, you guys. How, how are y'all doing? Doing all right. Any thoughts on that episode? Um, it was pretty good. I, I, I was so happy because they fulfilled something that I was literally bitching about last week. That I yes, don't... we were. We were. We had such a bitch fest about it, and then it happened, and I was like, yes. It, it, well, what was it? We, we were bitching we about Kessa Ruby's character development. Ruby. Like, I was talking about how I actually don't really enjoy Ruby very much as a character because I feel like she doesn't have enough development. And then that beautiful voiceover happened, and it made my heart oh. sing. Honestly, I was just complaining about me, Ruby not getting developed. For me, that was the feeling about the entire volume. I felt like this episode specifically pretty much saved the entire volume for me. Yeah, I feel like it was all leading up to this. And I, I wish this much happened every episode a little bit, but I think overall, a lot of things were good in this volume. They're just, this episode had so much that I think watching it as one long movie, it's gonna be a lot better for having this episode. True, uh-huh. yeah. true. And honestly, looking back over the volume now, looking back at like volume three even, I initially was not the biggest fan of the new shadows and all that, and then going back to volume three, it just seems so out of place now, so that I feel kind of silly looking back on it, complaining about that mentally in the past. I absolutely love the new physics. Like, every time Mm -hmm. they run their hand through their hair, and you can see the individual pieces, because there's 20 of them now instead of just one big chunk. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Oh my god, Yang's hair from volume one. Versus now, right? Yeah. (laughs) See, it was just the shading really conflicted me. Like, I have a hard time telling where Ruby's shirt begins and ends on her, and it's just because how the lighting works. But looking back on volume two and three and one, I'm glad that we have the improved lighting now because looking at the kit models then it stands out a lot now it's a good improvement i'm glad that i'm not bitching about it anymore yeah i really liked a lot of the improvements they made this volume and i feel like this episode it showed off in a lot of subtle ways a lot of the particle effects that they introduced a lot of the various physics effects they introduced it it was a pretty good stuff i was pretty happy with it the fight was so beautiful so good 
so good. It felt like a Dark Souls boss to me. Did anyone else get that feeling? No, because I've never played Dark Souls. It felt like a big anime end of arc fight, which it is, where all the people showed off their special new powers and everyone got to do something epic. It really made this episode stand, made this fight really stand out among some of the other big fights that Ruby has had over the past volumes. I, I wasn't saying that this was like less awesome for being reminiscent of Dark Souls, but I just meant the mechanic of how they beat the monster was a little bit. Like, it had the had weight of a Dark Souls boss. Yeah, they had to wait for him to strike and then go after him and walk in circles around him. <laughs> I, felt, I felt like the mechanics of it. But no, it was the part where... Ren just stands there as it screams at him versus what he was doing earlier where he's just it was, stone cold. It was interesting seeing Ren's fighting style Did I change a bit too as well. Like how he kind of got really reckless and bullhearted and then Nora pulled him back into a bit of sanity. That moment was beautiful. That, that little moment where they had underneath the house was just gorgeous. I, I liked all the little Ren-Nora moments in this episode. It was... It was very rewarding. It was kind of cute that when you took a look at the hammer where it fell outside of the house when they left it, because she didn't have it with her under the house, but it was the same place that it was when she when he Aww. gave her the wooden hammer. It fell in the same place. I did not Aww. notice that. I didn't notice that either. That's that's a very nice touch. That's a very because nice as touch. she because as she walks out, she picks it up. And John's new dual-handing style. Sword sword. Sword sword. <laughs> sword sword. Sword square. Everyone called it the same thing independently of each other, and I love it. <laughs> the sword sword. I can't wait for him to unlock some kind of projectile. Because you know he is. Like, he was practicing with the slashes, and his symbol is the double arcs. So I think he's gonna do, like, some kind of air slash attack. He's gonna shoot swords like Zelda. <laughs> oh my god. The sword is like Zelda! <laughs> I can like, just, like, appreciate, though, what? how much he has improved from Volume 1. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, my God, John. He isn't doing, like, backflips like anybody else, but I don't think he's meant to. He's no. a fucking paladin. No, like... no, he can't, but, like... That's not his thing. It's... No. I also appreciate Ren and Nora getting a big focus this season in general. Like, I kind of appreciate that as a B team, they all kind of got character development, but especially Ren and Nora in the last part of this season. I was really, really happy with that. People joke a lot about the show focusing too much on John, but it really, this, this volume gave a lot to everyone. I think Ruby got what she needed out of the end. I think she was also having a bit of a, like, she talks about how earlier in the season she expected this to take a couple of days. She wasn't ready for this, and I don't think any of them were either. So I think she got to experience a lot of what was going on, and then she wrote the summary at the end, and I thought that was okay because she learns from it, and now she understands. No, and I that's, think that was what she needed from it. That's what made me so happy, because when we see Ruby, she's just a child she doesn't really like she's good at what she does there's no denying it but she's younger but than everyone she else. doesn't yeah she's younger than everything else she doesn't think things through she's emotionally stunted so when 
she really needed this. It is literally a hero's journey. For me, the moment where Sora realized how much she's grown is when she struck out that last bit about the people we lost to the people, I forgot what the line is exactly, but saving... The pe people we're going to lose? We're going, or we haven't lost yet. We haven't yet. lost yet. Yeah. Really shows yeah. that how much she's really focusing on the future and what she needs to do instead of being reactive or just wallowing in all the pain and sadness, which kind of was happening to her dad. I feel like I'm really glad that it appears to be the theme for all four of the main girls. Look at what Blake is doing now. Blake isn't just reacting to what the White Fang is doing. She's reclaiming it. Yang isn't just sitting there and like, I lost something. I lost a literal part of me. What do I do now? She's going towards the future. She's like, this is what I'm going to do. I have a plan of attack. I'm gonna go find Ruby, and then we're gonna go from there. And then even Weiss is more on the present, I think, than the future, but it's still not the past anymore. She's definitely not as dis... like, I don't know what the word is exactly, but how she thought about her father's company and the way people treated definitely changed, and you see that change this volume. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have a strong suspicion that when she reaches winter, they're gonna have a nice chat, and winter's gonna be like, I didn't want to tell you I wanted you to come to the conclusion on your own, because that's kind of what needed to happen there. And I'm really glad that Weiss has went to fall back on. I'm really excited to see Winter again. I personally love Winter as a character and she reminds me of my brother a bit and it's just like I'm so glad that that's what's gonna bring them together is literally two of them are looking for their sisters. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we take a moment to, after saying all that to just remind everyone that Jacques is a dick? Yeah, Jacques is a piece of shit, and I, I hope don't, you I guys didn't even say that right. <laughs> also, can we toss Whitley in Appreciate there too it. because he's a douche? Yeah, yeah fuck Whitley. No, 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 no. Here's the thing, and I, I will defend Whitley because he is twelve. When you are that young and you are in an abusive family and your sister has become the scapegoat, you kind of see it as a chance to not be picked on by your parents. So he's doing everything he can to gain his father's favor right now just because it'll make his life less miserable. And I see that as a coping mechanism and I cannot bring myself to hate a 12 year old boy with a coping That's mechanism. Regardless, 12-year-old boys are pieces of shit anyway, speaking from that, experience. That is true, but Whitley, still a douche. His behavior is certainly... It's reminiscent of a rubber ball that's hollow inside that you use water to propel up your innards in order to... <laughs> <laughs> A.K.A. a douche. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, I would say right. that. We'll but take a moment um, to, I, uh, <laughs> Go back to Daddy Hollywood, yes. <laughs> yeah, the the good old Ironwood. I like how Ironwood called it about the professor from Haven. Like, he fucking called it so hard. Why does no one listen to this poor uh, Speaking man? of that, I'm upset with Sam being technically right, because last episode he was talking about Watts coming back with the Haven professor again or something along those lines, and I'm upset that he was right about yeah. that. Like, I, that was one thing I didn't want him to be right on. Not to be spiteful, but just because, like, I wanted to be a bit more optimistic but no, it's just, I'm sad now. If there's one thing we're good at, it's predicting how bad things are going to get. Yeah. Rip Penny. Also, that tea set is fucking fancy as fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I saw That's that. some good-ass tea. That's, That's a some nice tea, tea set. I'm, I really love that. I may try to make it at some point. I don't know how that's going to happen, but stay tuned, I guess. 
that's, that's for after. We can broadcast um, arts and crafts I... coming soon. But speaking of Professor Lionheart, yeah, Lionheart, yeah, Lionheart, it's Lionheart. Yeah, so cowardly lion yeah. much? Yeah, that's where that came in. I think everyone sort of assumed Tyangle's cowardly lion. Nope. No, and no, he's a dragon. Ah, dragons. Also, okay. where's that? Dragons. How does that fit in? Or am I just I'm, completely lost? Uh, we don't know yet. I'm, I'm lost too, but dragons, man, I'm not complaining. Yeah, dragons are cooler than lions. Yeah, yeah, but like his his name literally means dragon, or like Yang is dragon and Tai Yang is big dragon or something. It was very, very, very similar translation. They're both dragons. Dope. Like inevitably, Yang is gonna turn into a dragon. Just Dope. watch. I I would watch the shit. I'll take you up on that bet. She's either gonna be a firebird, a phoenix, or a dragon. It's one of three things. We all know what's gonna happen. Personally, if I had to pick, it's gonna be something though, with wings. I would pick a phoenix based on how she basically has risen up from the ashes. Like she was partially destroyed, and she, while is not fixed is on that path to doing so. The reason I actually say Firebird is the song Gold by Jeff Williams, because the Firebird is something that comes to assist people in stories. It's not just something that dies and then is reborn. It's supposedly this like beautiful bird that would come when someone was in need and help them. I will burn like the sun, I will keep you safe and warm. So that's why I usually go to that one. Also, Phoenix is really obvious and everyone goes for that one and i want to be original. personally i'd rather get away <laughs> from the phoenix motif because it reminds me of the dark phoenix saga and let's just say it never ends well for gene gray oh <laughs> that's spoilers? Mean. you're mean i mean kind of you didn't say what goes bad spoilers when did the dark phoenix saga come out like 80 years ago I have no clue what it is, so... I also don't know. Oh, it's you know X-Men. It's X-Men stuff. My trash cred I... is on a completely different level. Alright, so is yeah. this just the podcast of me and Kessa not knowing anything and, uh... Yeah? Well, well what do you guys know? Let's talk about that. Oscar! Eh, fun. Hey. Oscar! Give me, Oscar. like, five the compost credit king. for that. I... Praise him. Oscar Panay. <laughs> Oscar Panay. He's got a stick now. He's got a stick that's bigger than him. Yeah. Will the stick make him a real boy now? The thing is, so. the, the stick also extends, so it's probably adjustable. I wonder if it's also a scythe. I, I remember reading all those theories a few years ago where, like, yeah. Ozpin was death and death has a scythe as well. And, like, the little diagrams of the scythe blade popping out of his handle. And it's just, I kind of want to see that. Just... I think that'd be interesting. So my theory is it actually has the orb of destruction on the top. That's what the relic is, which when you use it, maybe has particle effects blade, like a blade made full of purely destructive energy or something. I, but then how did he get wrecked? Yeah. 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 Maybe he's not willing to use it in a city full of people. When they described the King of Vale using it, apparently it just wrecked everything. It might mm. not be so easy. Maybe. Maybe it was his plan all along. To inhabit some poor farm boy with pretty eyes, drag him down to Mistral, <laughs> have him find Crow, and uh, maybe or maybe, depending on what Crow does, have him be dragged into meeting Ruby Rose again? Yes. Hey. The first thing he's going to say to Ruby, somebody on Tumblr told me this in my ask box, and I think it was an anonymous person, and they were like, so the first thing Ospin's going to say to Ruby to prove that he's Professor Ospin is you have silver eyes. 
Yeah. No. Yeah. It's the first thing he's gonna say. No, it's gonna be, would you like a cookie? <laughs> yes, oh. I, I'll, I'll take the would you like a cookie. The silver eyes. You just gotta look at Ruby to see she has silver eyes. Oh, hey, you're Ruby Rose. Your eyes are really big and silver. Huh. All the better to see you with, my dear. <laughs> I don't know, like, Oscar is adorable. He's so Something cute. Something about, like, why she wanted to become a huntress in the first place. Maybe her answer might be different now, considering Ooh, everything she's been through. that'd be interesting to see. I think it's actually not going to be different. I actually agree. I would think that because she's always wanted this her entire life, her reason isn't going to change, but her conviction behind the reason is going to deepen. I think her definition yeah. of monster is going to change. I think a lot of those things are true, and I think that's pretty much what he's going to expect of her. Because she, that's who Ruby is, and that's why we love her so much. Precious child. Oops. Speaking of, what's her face? Cinder. Yes. She seemed to have uh, gotten it together a bit. Or at least gotten her anger together enough to burn a image of Ruby. So the current prevailing theory that I think most people have is Tyrion. I have to wonder if she can actually see what she's projecting to people. So if she projects an image of Ruby to Tyrion, his mind will supply the image for her to give to Cinder. And that's why it like flickered so much is she was trying to project a vision of a vision. Hmm. That might explain how she knew about the costume change. One of my favorite things to do is bring up Blake because she fascinates me. In the last episode, Blake and Son did have that hard part and she was trying to be all noble and be like, I can do this on my own. And although he seemed to somewhat change her mind and she seemed to have accepted the fact that she can't do it on her own, based on that little montage we saw, she was completely on her own doing this. And I'm just like, Blake, Blake, what are you doing? Sun could have been resting. He was there in the background. Was he? Yeah. Yeah, he was kind of on the couch. Yeah, he was just yeah. chilling. She pulls away from the like the map, the, and then he's right there just smiling at her. I thought that indicated that he's she's going to use his help. Yeah, that he's recovering, but he's going to help out. Yeah, that's what I assumed. Was I wrong? We can't mm-hmm. both be wrong. Everyone's I'm wrong. I'm probably the one that. who's wrong because when I was watching that, I had a fever, so. <laughs> yeah, no. Oh, okay. I, that, I, think, I, I think that kind you of You had a wrong. fever dream that Sun didn't exist. Pretty and much. Like, rejoice. I kind of forgot that he was there in that, in that montage. I mean, I wouldn't but, put it past Blake to do it on her own, but she has to know that's not a smart thing. I think that they, they, they milk that Blake wants to do everything on her own arc. But like, uh, yeah, like I'm I'm excited for a lot of people to meet up with people next season. I think I think this was the season of being apart, and next season will be the season of coming together. Because I mean, it's an ensemble show, but they need the time, especially after the fall of Beacon, to figure themselves out. And especially, I feel like, well, that was important for all for all members of Team Ruby, is that they needed to take a step back and take the space and take their own personal journey. And now they all know what they want to do next, and it's like they all have a set goal in mind for the next season, which they're probably all going to accomplish relatively soon so they can find each other again. Um, 
I, I'm surprised that Blake is going to be the last one to meet up with them, but she could meet up sooner than we think, honestly. And before uh, we see Ruby and Blake meeting up is the first scene of Volume 5. <laughs> yeah, we could get a time skip again, that's true. But I would be pissed off. Five years later. Skip. Yeah, but like a lot of people also have said, you know, this was a very light season with things that happened, but, well, first of all, it was a break, but this was also a very short season. I was actually expecting at least a few more episodes somehow. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah. But I'm, I think I think this is the way this season needed to be. Like, the length for what it was is perfect. Yeah. Like, it's a good little recovery volume after, uh, three. I think if they had tried to stretch it out, it would have rung more false. Like, it would have yeah. just been like, now you're just trying to come up with plot devices that we don't really need right now. So let's just keep things away. Uh, guys, how good did it feel to have a nice season finale without any major character deaths? I still I mean, miss Penny, okay? Sore wound, man. Yeah, I I almost think Penny's gonna be a thing, but not for at least a few seasons. Like even even if at all, and I don't think it's gonna be the same at all. Because there has to be some consequence to that. Like we can't just get Penny back. Penny don't two point oh you wound me. This time with less feelings. And he was like my second favorite character in the entire show, and now I'm just sad. She was my favorite character. Oscar is my new Penny. I'm declaring it now. If they kill Oscar, I'm just, I'm gonna cry. God, Oscar's face when, when he was called a pipsqueak, and he's like, I'm working on it. But the thing is, he didn't even like consciously retort that. Like, he was just like... He subconsciously knew who Crow was, so he started quipping back at him, and and the look on his face wasn't like, oh, you know, I'm mad at you. It was, it was like almost banter, and and the look on Crow's face of just pure confusion when this kid banter's with him. Like, <laughs> who is this kid? I don't understand. You got some cheeky bounce to them, mate. Oh dear. No. Uh, so, I mean, it was kind of obvious, though, based off, like, this scene alignment that it was, Yang was heading towards Mistral, because, like, she ended up with her motorbike aiming kind of towards the Mistral direction, I believe, from what I remember, yeah. and then yeah. she took off in that direction, so, mm-hmm. means she's looking, heading straight to Mistral instead of going after Raven, I bet, which is good to see that she cares more about the person who's been in her life for all but two years versus however long it took for Raven to disappear. Less than two years? More like, oh no, less than a year. Because, like, Ruby is two years younger. So it would have been, like, at max, like, 14 months that it took Raven to disappear on Yang. I feel if like that. Yang will eventually come to deal with Raven. But right now is not the time for that. Yeah. I think it'll be revealed that Raven cared a lot more than she let on because you see a lot of birds in the backgrounds of certain shots with Ruby and Yang, and some of it is very clearly Crow, and some of it I would I would say is Raven for sure. Like I think she's been watching over her, but didn't want to be present for some reason. And I have to wonder a little bit: does Crow's unlucky charm apply to Raven as well? No amount of bird mom can replace real mom. 
<laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it can. I think, I just think that's going to be revealed and Yang is going to feel maybe slightly better. I want Yang to punch Raven. Yeah. I'd be okay with that. Yeah. Punch the verb in its verb. <laughs> I think the idea that Raven cares might help her a little bit. I mean, she has mommy issues, let's be honest. She's lost two of them. Yeah. Like, she needs it. Like, she needs someone in her life who's willing to help her in that way. And I, I'm not saying that tying what wasn't enough, but that... There's still something that's missing yeah, for her. There's Yeah, it's, it's, she still has a lot of loss to cope with on both parents' sides. And, and by both parents, I bo- mean both moms. Because she very clearly saw Summer Rose as a, as a mother as well. Mm-hmm. I would argue, because Sam and I were having this discussion today, is that neither of them, Yang or Ruby, deal with grief in a particularly productive manner. In no. <laughs> what? Going no. out and killing monsters? Not a healthy way of dealing with grief? If I could kill monsters, I'd do that. For dealing with my life being my life. The only monster I, I need mean, to kill is the like one inside. Oh, that's depressing. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at Tyrion. Last episode, he killed a monster while sobbing his heart out. I'm sure it was cathartic. It must have been good for him. That's he's not depressing. He that's psychotic. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right that's up. not depressing. That's just psychotic. <laughs> look, he cheered up. Okay, so I sent Sam this, like, block of text, and I'm rereading it, and I realized we hit every single point in my block of text. <laughs> oh, no. Such as but... Weiss seeking out Winter, Blake taking down the White Fang, how is Yang gonna find Ruby if she hasn't heard from her in, like, ever? Well, she was writing letters. Apparently. Yeah, but I, I at least for me, I got the implication that Yang wasn't actually getting them. Also true. So... Yang is just gonna show up in Mistral and gonna be like, okay, where'd you go now? I mean, to be fair, Oscar found Crow in like five minutes. <laughs> that was my next point. In all the bars and all of Mistral, how did Oscar know exactly where to find Crow? Because Oz knows what kind of dives Crow goes to. God damn it, I wanted to say that. <laughs> I mean, that's fair, but also, like, I, I was talking to my roommate yesterday and we were like, okay, so Oscar showed up and was like, Hey, did you guys uh, pick up, like, an older drunk guy? He may or may not be with, like, a bunch of kids. He's probably visited and been picked out of multiple bars. Do you know where that guy might be? Like, hey, uh, where is your seediest, cheapest, diviest bar? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like, something to that effect. Although I like to I like to think that Crow has already made a name for himself in all the bars. I wouldn't be surprised. I would He's not got be tabs all over the world. Oz Ozpin just kind of knows where Crow would have gone and so he's like, Oscar, you need to go into this bar. Are you sure? This this one down the road seems a lot nicer. You gotta go into this one. Just just trust me on it's this too one. Nice. <laughs> he would never set foot in such a fine establishment. <laughs> Not, not to mention, though, it sounds like Crow and Ospin have both been to Haven before. It's possible that he has contacts at that bar, that they know people who work there. There's, there's, there's probably other things. That's, that's the logical answer, Nereo. 
I'm trying to be, look, I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be a leader here. I'm trying to lead by fucking example. You're a very good leader. We appreciate you. My next point was, um, I found it awfully convenient that that airship just happened to be on patrol when they've been walking around this land for how long and they've never seen an airship on patrol and then just magically it was and it's like oh what's up we saw the smoke like let me save your ass well the thing is within two minutes they were at haven like they were close they were su they were across the mountain i think if ren and nora had kept going to cross the mountain they would have found mistral uh, I, I, was it last week that I corrected Sam about the con- Yes, because we were talking about the continents and Yang just riding her motorcycle across like the ocean. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 we had like, that discussion. Two islands. We had that discussion. Oh, <laughs> she just drove all the way through Vacchio, just, you know, she could have just gone a shorter route, but no, she drove across to Vale, then through Vale to Vacchio, well, now she's getting to Mistral. All in time span of a day, somehow. The the motorcycles, uh, Scott. The motorcycle's also a gun? The motorcycle's also a gun. It shoots it through shoots water. It shoots itself. It's, it's, oh it's also God. like a highly powered water gun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like a boat. I think we're gonna get a smaller time skip, but we're gonna get another one. Maybe a few weeks, Max, I'd say, but, like, that's not any different than what we saw between... One and two, or two and three, I think. Yeah, like, I think we're gonna get at most a month. Uh, yeah, I hope so. I hope so. A month isn't a bad guess. The main sort of theme, or the idea that pops into my head when I think about this volume is pieces and fragments. Whether that's related to Team Ruby themselves being scattered, or how the season is just, for me, is made up of incredible little moments rather than like one cohesive piece because that's the way i like to think of it when it's all said and done just a series of these little moments whether it's the ren flashbacks or the fight at the end or crow's fight it's just some really incredible moments that come together at the end in one really solid episode and i feel like this is a new way of writing that i haven't really expected from this show I haven't seen Ruby do something like this before, and it, I feel like they, they pulled it off really well. Also, just like, the cinematography this season was directed really well. Like, I, I loved the storyboarding, I loved the dramatic shots, and, and the really, really cool, like, when they would shift the, um, the, like, lens focus of the fake render camera thing so so Ren got a little bit like stretched out and, like the whole thing stretches out behind him or to focus in on him or like there was a lot of really cool moments visually definitely, that I liked definitely. also the opening shot of just the liquid effects <laughs> still <laughs> is still with me I like I'm sorry but the grim like coming out of the liquid and it's like mm -hmm. oozing. Yeah. And like, it's so good. I'm so glad that they switched engines. Oh my god. So, so both writing-wise and visually, this this season, I think it's gonna be a season that, much like some RBB seasons, is gonna be best watched as a movie. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. 
I think this was not lending itself well to being stretched out over a period of time. I would almost say I would have rather this got released in like two or three parts. Especially with the uh, the the break episodes in between. The World of Remnants, yeah, it really made it feel very disconnected and stuttery, but in pacing looking, experiencing it, but looking back on it, I really did enjoy this season. Yeah, but also something I'd like to point out that's been pointed out to me on several occasions now, Oscar's voice actor is um, Alphonse Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. No! And Vic no. is Ed Elric from Full Metal Alchemist. Oh my god, I did not know that. Holy Ed, shit! Ed just called Al a pipsqueak. <laughs> oh my god, that's glorious. It's amazing! You, you know that it. Carrie planned that out like five years in advance. All of them. Fucking weeps. I love it. It's amazing. Like it's it's the best. Like as as somebody who is being objective, that is not the best moment of the season. But as somebody who's a Full Metal Alchemist fan, it is the best moment of the season. So that's the greatest thing. <laughs> There's one thing that I. Um, sad not to see enough of is um, I don't remember his name, but the big, uh, the big cuddly-looking fella who's on Salem's team. Hazel. Yes. Ticket punching man. Ticket puncher. <laughs> That's his name. Ticket puncher. Yes. What, was like, what about him? No, I want more of him. He looks cool. Yeah. I'm genuinely. What was what was his mission when he was first sent out again? He was going out to meet with the White Fang, uh, and he his job oh. was to make sure that Senecon remained loyal to Salem um, and felt favorably oh. toward her goals. So I I think oh, no. he's interesting because he took the time to help like a random kid, and at the same time, Ospin is there telling Oscar like this guy is dangerous. You should stay away. Oh no! I I just figured out what just happened. He just seems like the kind of uh, villain slash anti-hero that I would fall in love with and cry a lot when he eventually dies or gets defeated, captured, whatever. I'm really curious. I'm so curious what his deal is. Because we just don't know anything about his motivations. Like We know nothing about any of their motivations, except for Cinder's. Well, Tyrion, Tyrion's kind of like this... Um, very unstable, devoted person. Um, then with Dr. Watts, I imagine he just wants power. and Evil doctor. Yeah, he's an evil doctor. Evil mustache. And I'm sure that Salem is giving him resources to do his evil doctor things. Um, that normal people would not necessarily allow him to do, maybe. Because and- of ethics and laws. <laughs> wow, so silly. Oh, who right? is that? Right? Definitely not a Dr. Leonard Church or anything. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> References. Definitely not. Speaking of Red vs. Blue, didn't anyone else get a Leonard Church vibe at the end of the episode with the monologue? Yeah, actually, that was a very Bernie thing to do, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Very. I, I honestly very. didn't get that feel, but... Emotional voiceover. Emotional voiceover with the uh, montage. Uh, well, the other thing about Ruby writing the letter is 
She's taking over from Ozpin and Salem. She's putting herself back in the narrative. God, don't do Oh this my to god, me. Hamilton. Hamilton, I can't. You guys get me. Like, that's what it you. is, though, because before, everything was controlled by these two unknown, faceless figures who talk quietly and in even tones. And then now the ending monologue isn't something about hope or anything like that. It's just Ruby talking about what she's been through and what she intends to do and what's been going on in her life. And I think that's just a sign. I think it's a sign that Team Ruby is now taking over for whoever was before. They are the ones who are going to be in charge now. And you better fucking watch out. Ruby Rose is a fucking badass, and I am terrified of her. <laughs> see you, Space Cowboy. Yeah, with that, see you, Space Cowboy. Uh, this is the uh, not quite the end of our Beacon broadcast season. We're going to have one more episode to wrap things up. But other than that, I think we're going to be talking to you guys next season for some of us, since I don't know who all is going to be making it to that episode. So... Thank you for listening to the Beacon Broadcast. You can find us at beacon-broadcast.tumblr.com. Uh, we have a Facebook. We have a Plot Bubble Facebook for our group now, and you can always donate to our Plot Bubble Patreon for supporting both us here on the Beacon Broadcast, over in the Shizno, and with some future stuff we have planned. Uh, and I hope you guys have a great break. Welcome to the off-season, bitches! <laughs> No, why would you doom us? <laughs> You're gonna carry that weight. Bye! Bye. Can, can we take a moment to, after saying all that to just remind everyone that Jacques is a dick? I don't. I didn't even say that right. Jacques, I Jacques, Jacques Fuck. is a I give up. This is why you I am failing You wanna say it again? You wanna, you want us to wait and let you say it no. again? No, either they can, we can cut that out entirely, or we'll leave it me fucking it up. <laughs> I think it's there kind of no funnier if you fuck it up. To be perfectly honest. Yep. Yeah. It's showing why I'm failing French. R really, I yeah. I had a moment there. It was like, who's this character? Why haven't I heard about them? <laughs> yeah, no, that's what I was like. I was like, who the fuck is that? And then I was like, oh, I was, he can't speak French. I heard like Jakku, <laughs> like the planet from Star Wars. <laughs> Jacques is a piece of shit, and I hope he dies in a fire. With Lucky Landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo, and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.